The Lord is good. Amen. Why don't we just take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this moment in time. And Lord, I recognize that it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that it would speak your heart and your words. Lord, in and of myself, I know I don't have the strength of the wisdom, but I ask through your grace and your anointing, you would speak to your people, that your presence would be here and minister to your people, that I would lift high the name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said, amen, amen. I'm just going to briefly uh, go through some recap here, continuing uh, just this brief little series on the greatest Christmas gift, and we're talking about agape love and what that looks like. I'll see how far I can get today and see where the Lord wants us to, 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 to close in prayer. But uh, there's a verse in John 3.16 that many of you know, for God loved, somebody shall loved, that's the word agape in the Greek, the people of this world so much that he gave, we talked about a little bit that week, uh, his son, he loved us so much that he gave. I like how the Amplified says, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only son that whosoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. And you know, I feel it's important too to interject. Just because Jesus came and died and rose again doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Well, I thought, well, but God loves us. You know, we're all good. No, you need to be converted. You need to invite God in your life. You need to recognize that I'm a sinner. I, 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 I sin. I, I can't, no matter how hard I try. I can't do good. I can do little things here and there. I can give a little here and there. But that inside, your spirit man or woman needs to be saved. When you invite Christ into your life, you welcome him in. You recognize what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago, and you say, yes, Lord, I need you. I'm not God of my life. You are God, and I need you, Lord, of my life. That's, that's a brief synopsis of what it means to be born again. There's a whole journey with that, but that's just a brief synopsis. So, so when God loved, we talked about last week that the word love, the Greeks had you know, we say love, we say love, we love ice cream, we love the, the SUV, we love this, we love that. Oh, by the way, I love my kids, and oh, I love my wife too, and my husband. But the Greeks had very specific meanings for the word for love, and we briefly went through those. Eros is romantic, phileia means brotherly love or friends. Uh, storge is a parental love, love for your kids and your grandchildren. Uh, and then there's agape love, agape love. And uh, we had a couple of these definitions that we used. Uh, okay, a child is born. Um, well, they'll, they'll, they'll work that out back there. Agape love. Uh, the Greek word agape is it's not a feeling. It's a motivation for action that we are free to choose or reject. Agape, excuse me, agape is a sacrificial love that voluntarily suffers inconvenience, wow, and discomfort, and watches it's even death. For the benefit of another without expecting anything in return. Somebody say, wow, that's agape love. Jesus introduced that. But here's the thing. We as believers, we are all called to walk in agape love. How many know we're not called to run in it? That's dangerous. We're to walk in agape love. There's a difference. Jesus' example, uh, Ephesians 5 says, Therefore be in imitators or to mimic God as beloved children and walk in love. So we are commanded to walk in love. And we said this, that agape love is, 
is shown by what it does, not by necessarily only by what it says. Uh, are you here with me, men, this morning? <laughs> so that love is an action, it's a verb, okay? It's displayed, we see through Christ going to the cross. He didn't say, I love you all, but you're all damned to hell. He went to the cross. He showed us his love. So here's, I would say, the struggle, the difficulty, the, excuse me, the difficulty, the challenge. We are to love others with this kind of God's highest love, the agape love. Whether they are fellow believers, watch this, or they are bitter enemies. Oh, there we go again. Wow. And we are to pray for them. And uh, Dennis Prager said this. He said, doing well is a conservative idea. Meaning well is a liberal idea. <laughs> that was interesting. So God doesn't want us to love just, I meant to love them. He wants us to love them. Can I get an amen? Relax. Breathe in, breathe out. Moving right along. Uh, Romans 5.5. 5, uh, interesting verse. Uh, scripture says, this is the love that has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So if you're a believer, I just briefly talked about what it means to be a believer. You're born again. You're saved, as the Scripture talks about. You have Christ. He's Lord of your life. You've been given the Holy Spirit, and you have been given agape love. I just can't. I just can't do it. I can't. You can. Because you have been given this great gift of love, agape love. Somebody say amen. I find this interesting in that John 3.16. There's also this verse in 1 John 3.16. Same John Apostle. This is how we know what love is. So we, this is what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. What does that mean? It means putting them first, uh, making their need more important than our own. It, it means selflessness, and it's sacrificial. That's what that, that love is, this gift of love. Uh, and so because God loved us, we are able to love also. He has given us the ability to operate, to, to minister in, and to express the highest kind of love. Somebody say amen to that. Agape love. You can do it. You can do it. And, you know, I've times have ministered on the streets in New Orleans or down uh, at some outreach somewhere. Or, you know, I always pray, you can have your heart right because people will say and do things just to get you tripped up while you're ministering, while you're witnessing, or whatever, and they'll say things that could even be hurtful, and people would come by, and they'd curse at you, or they'd say, you look like an idiot, you look like a fool standing out here with a placard on Bourbon Street, or whatever, and they'll mock you. Sometimes they'll throw beads at you, or sometimes they'll throw beer on you, or whatever, you just got, because walk in love, just brush it off. Amen? Brush it off. And uh, it's easy to do that in a sense when, hey, there's no really tie, you don't really know them, but when it comes to a, a family member, Come on, somebody, somebody close to you that hurts you deeply. I mean, this is really where the rubber meets the road when it comes to walking in love and choosing to do that, choosing to do that. John 15, 17, Jesus said this, I command you that you love one another. So let's try to flesh that out practically. What is love, practically speaking? Uh, there's a, a number of things, but I just threw a few together because this series could go on for years without ending about the love of God. It's having patience. I am very much typically born with an impatient attitude. When patience was handed out in the line of heaven, I was absent. I was somewhere else. I wasn't on the scene, and he missed patience, so I have to 
Grow in patience. Am I speaking to anybody out there that has a lack of patience? There's a lot of you out there. You know, you, you go to the teller line, you think there's nobody in there, and they show up, it says, new teller in training. You know, it's like, oh, or, you, you know, open on seven, nobody's there, and you pull out of your line, and four people jump in front. Come on, somebody, amen? So I've learned to, in those moments, just say, I'm in the moment. I'm going to relax. I'm going to chill out, and I'm going to have and allow patience in my life. That's just one small thing, but, but it's actually giving or extending patience. Love. What is love? It's having patience with others, uh, especially when you're going through a storm, sorrowful situations in your life. You know, couples who have been married for quite some time can get into a cycle of criticism. Come on, somebody. And uh, sometimes they can be short with each other. Sometimes they can be critical with each other. Just keep looking forward, everybody. Just keep looking forward. 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 8 says, love never fails. I want you to think about that. It never fails. The Greek word is uh, piptu. It means I fall, I fall under, as under condemnation. I fall prostrate, to fall. Here's the thing. Agape love won't fail. I like how the Message Bible says it. It's like this. The Message Bible says love doesn't give up. I'm going to say that again. Love doesn't give up. So that's a challenge for us all and an admonition. Don't give up when you're going through the storms. Don't give up when you're going through sorrow. Don't give up. How many know that's what the flesh wants to do? But don't give up when you're going through adverse situations. I mean, people have choices, and people can make choices that affect our lives and move on. But, but our heart, we're talking about, going through adverse situations. Maintain patience with, these, with, with each other. Excuse me. What is love? It's maintaining patience in that. And then I would say the second thing, quickly here, is it's putting others before yourself. So these are areas I'm putting down that I've uh, have learned and are continuing need to learn in. There's many other points I could make, but it's putting others as or before yourself. Because also, when I stood in line in heaven, when Jesus was putting out being patient, I was missing. But but sometimes I can be selfish. Thank you. God bless you. I love you, brothers. I love you. I'm a selfish guy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Guys, just keep looking forward. Just keep, amen. Ponder that. Wow. Yeah, I'm a, and I think about three people, me, myself, and I. <clears throat> and and so, so what is love? It's putting others as yourself, whether it's your family, and it, it, putting others before yourself. Excuse me. And it's friends, fellow man, putting others before yourself. And so, so practically, what does it look like? Well, the Message Bible says love isn't always me first. Hmm. You know, I dislike most cats. I'm not a cat lover. Uh, my daughter Mariah, though, she loves most animals. We would have Noah's Ark in our house if she had the total freedom to do that. But Mariah loves the downtrodden. So if there's anything that's downtrodden about that, that animal, she loves that. Oh. So recently, we inherited uh, a cat. Maybe you could bring up that screen. That's Zoo. Now, you think, oh, my God, the cat's in the sink. I know it. <laughs> I woke up. Why is the cat in the sink? I took a picture. Get out of the sink. So this cat is Zoo, Z-H-U. And I said, Ryan, send me a couple pictures. It's so, so, so Zoo, uh, he has a broken tail. Uh, he's been recently declawed and clipped, and I'm waiting for him to start to act like an 85-year-old retired man. 
but he's not still. He runs crazy. He leaps around. He gets in these, you know, uh, moments. And, you know, if you're sitting down or whatever, he'll come over and pow, 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 pow. And they don't take off. I'm like, why? What did I do for, you know? Uh, it's like, I'm trying to, I'm, you know, what? and then you pet him. He tries to bite you. I'm like, I'm trying to pet you. Get out of here. It just gets <laughs> frustrating. So in the past few months, we've hosted a never come when you call cat who ignores you when he wants to, and when you need to concentrate, that's when he goes berserk, jumps on the counter, he's on the couch, and he might bite the upright chair when you tell him not to do that. Stop biting. Zoo, like he can understand me. I think he can, though. I think he can. He's in and out of the shower, knocking down bottles, you know, running around. I'm like, why? Mike, why do you have a cat? Because I love my daughter. That's why. <laughs> so what is love? It's putting others for yourself. Now, I don't know if that fleshes out as a pig or something else, a boa constrictor. I don't know, you know what your level, but that's, you know, I love my daughter. And it's like, okay, it blesses her. And so that's the same thing when you think about on a different level what drove the heavenly father from heaven. Love did. Love drove him. All right? It wasn't something that he had to do. He did it willingly. How many see that? Say amen. Love made God do that. And then I would say the third thing, it's the number one priority, or should be the number one priority in our life. And if anything, over these last few weeks, that's what I want to be embedded in our hearts when we leave here, is make love a priority in our life. Agape love. We have to be reminded of this, because we can get into this, we're against this group, we're against that group, come on somebody, and we've been so polarized as a nation, and this is right, that is wrong, and listen, I struggle with the same things, and I can't understand, uh, you know, mindsets that seem so contrary to the Word of God, but, but uh, I still need to walk in love. Amen, people. The Message Bible tells us that God's love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Mm. It's being willing to forgive and to forgive and to forgive again and to forgive again. I don't think I'll relate that any further. Willing to forgive, not to keep score. That's, that's an incredible statement. You know, I've, I've known of people that in the past, they have a, you ever heard the thing of a little black book? You know, now it means something else, but a little black book, keep score, you know. Well, you turn the pages, he did me wrong, she did me wrong. And they write this down, like, burn the black book, get rid of it, let it go, let it go. Because really, it's binding you, it's imprisoning you. They don't care, they're moved on. They, but it's holding you, unforgiveness holds you and casts you in that circle with that moment where you can't break. You want to break free. You need to let it go. Are you still with me this morning? So in the scriptures, we're admonished to, we know we're not to love money. We're not to love material things or the pleasures of this life. But the scriptures, we are admonished to love God and to love others. John 2.15 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Okay, so how do we make love a priority in our life? Uh, you know, what does it look like briefly? What agape love looks like? I would say love must be, and this is a great verse here, Romans 12, I didn't put it all out, 9 through 16, and this is probably a 20-week a series that I'm going to do in the next 10 minutes. 
because I've only took three things out of these verses, which all of them are very powerful. But let me just read it quickly. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. This is for the, talking about what is love, what it looks like. Never be lacking in zeal. So we are to be zealous, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Interesting. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. These are all what love looks like. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony uh, with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Wow. A lot is all that verse. I mean, there's a lot in uh, messages in that. But when you read that, you know, at first glance, it seems to be a, a, a series of unconnected, disconnected commands, some kind of a mixed bag of miscellaneous exhortation. But at closer examination, it reveals that this verse, when we flesh it out, what does Christian love look like? What does it look like? And love must govern all of our relationships. So if you sum up or summarize those verses, love needs to govern all of our relationships. Can you say amen? So uh, very quickly, what love looks like. Love needs to be sincere, genuine. It literally literally means in the Greek, without hypocrisy. Verse 9. I'm just going to hit on three of these points. It originally referred to an actor who played a certain role on a stage. It came to mean anyone, watch this, who acts contrary to his own true feelings. Ouch. It particularly applies to those who put forth the appearance of virtue that they do not actually possess. I like how the message translates it this way. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Hmm. Second thing, I think this is a a very important point when it comes to what love is because we think we know what it is and everyone needs to get around and we just want to love people. No, love must be discerning. Let me explain. Verse 9. Love hates evil. I want you to think about that. Love, if you're truly loving, you hate evil. How many know God hates evil? You said, Pastor, you shouldn't use that word. God uses it. There are certain things God hates. And evil, abuse. God hates these things. You've heard me say this statement before. The wheels of God's justice turn ever so slowly, but they grind ever so finely. There is a justice of God that is out there in the world. And that wheel continues to grind. And you think I can escape it, I can get away from it, I can do this, I can do that, and I can abuse, I can. it will grind you eventually, it will get you. And if it doesn't get you in this life, you will get it in the next life for sure. 100%, 100% on that. But, but we, you, know, we're not, we're not, you know, that's not the future for you. But love hates evil. It must be discerning. We often think of love as an ooey-gooey emotion that causes us to lose our sense of right and wrong. But that's far from true Christian love, or agape love is what we're talking about. Friends, we cannot love evil and love God at the same time, watch this, any more that we can love money and love God at the same time. Just throwing that out there. Sometimes we say this, well, you know, love is blind. God says, no, love needs clear vision. Love needs clear vision. In other words, our love needs discernment. Why? Or else we will end up loving things we ought not to love. Now, I want you to follow with me here. 
entering into relationships that are not good for us, right? Let me just elaborate a little bit. So even though love is supreme, it's not enough. Why? Well, because not every relationship is a good relationship for you. Think about that. Not every choice is a good choice, right? Not every friendship is good for us. Not every job is a wise career move. Not every roommate is a healthy choice. Not every purchase is a wise use of our money. Christmas. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's really two parts to making wise choices. Number one, you need to know what's right. We live in a culture today, the term is relativism, the theory, especially in ethics, that a definition here says that concept of truth and moral values, are, they're not absolute. In other words, it denies absolute values. There's, there's no objective truth out there. And uh, how many know that objective truth is something that is true for everyone? Whether you agree with it or not, how many know murder is wrong? Okay? People still murder. You see it all the time. Um, <clears throat> it's the, this relativism is the idea that there are no universal truths, only a point of view. So in other words, that's fine, that's good for you, but that doesn't apply to my life because I don't believe in that. doesn't matter. doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what God says. And there's an objective truth that all humanity has to answer to someday. That's heavy, but that's true. And I have to preach that. I have to, you know, declare that, that no, there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. Thanks be to God for forgiveness. Amen. Thanks be to God for that as I need that. But we live in a world where many people evidently have lost all sense of right and wrong. Everything appears to them of all shades of gray. But how many know the word of God is our standard of truth? It is outside of us. It is penned by the Holy Spirit, inspiring men to write the truths of God's word, and that is the eternal word of God, and that'll last forever. So we need to know what is right. How many know that's a challenge for us all to dig into the word of God? You know, I said this in the past, and it has affected, I was amazed at how many people it has affected that, that if you've never read through the word of God from cover to cover, don't raise your hand on this, I challenge you for 2023 to do that. Some of you have been meaning to get around to it. You've made parts of it. But I'm talking about Genesis 1-1 to Revelation. The whole thing. 66 books. Come on, somebody. You know, if you read a chapter a day, it's going to take a few years. But if you read three chapters a day and five on Sunday, you can do it in a year. And then if you speed read, you know. It's like, I can't understand the thousand these. Get you a message Bible. Get you a Phillips translation. Get you a, you know, a modern whatever. It's okay. If everyone in this church said, yo, I've read through the whole Bible from cover to cover, your life, I guarantee, would be more enlightened, more different, and better for you. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so, number two, you've got to have the courage to choose what to know. Uh, what you know to, is right, excuse me. Uh, you have to have the courage. We're talking about love being discerning. Um, Many years ago, there was a televised speech by the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. And during the question time, someone asked how he managed to deal with all the criticism that comes to anyone in this high-profile position. And I love what Judge Clarence Thomas uh, said. He said this. He said, he replied that the most important thing in life is to discover what you believe to be true and then to stand up for those beliefs no matter what. 
And then he added these words. If you do what you know is right, it doesn't matter what people think. Word for us today. Um, courage. We need courage today. True discernment gives you the vision to see what is right and then the courage to choose to do it. Amen. And then I would say also, especially in this day and age, love needs to be kind. <laughs> love needs to be kind. The um, Bible says in verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Wow, that's hard. In the natural. Bless those who persecute. The Greek word is dioko. It actually means this, to put to flight. It actually means to hunt down. This is what it means to persecute. Is there anyone hunting you down today? Did you have to kind of like, you know, grab your firearm before you came to church? Because someone's after you, you know what I mean? They're coming to get you. I don't know if, you know, possibly maybe somebody here, unless you're on the run, you know, we'll get you saved and get you filled with fear. But, but you know what, this is talking about the hunt you down. It's harassing you. Well, some of you recently got some harassment, you know, a lot of harassment. It means to trouble you. It, be, it means to be maltreated. Anybody been maltreated lately? And I'm not just talking about they didn't like your post. Maltreated, all right? <clears throat> Bless them. Two parts to this, almost done here, we need to consider. Matthew 10, 23 says, but when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. Jesus is not saying just sit there and take it, but he's talking about when they persecute you, you can bless those. It's talking about our posture, our heart, our attitude in the situation when people do you wrong. All right? Here's the thing. Here is the ugly facts. And if you've been around in life long enough, you go, amen, pastor. You could write this. We are going to be persecuted. You are going to be hated. You're going to be mistreated, misunderstood, lied about, gossiped about. There will be those who go beyond this to hurt you deeply. The scars for some of you that last a lifetime. Sometimes the attacks come from those that are closest to us. Sometimes within, sadly, our own family. Often from our circle of very close friends. Sometimes from people we thought were our best friends. There is no escaping this reality. That's a fact. Breathe in and breathe out on that. That's true. Sooner or later, some people that we have loved or trusted, they're going to let us down. They're going to let us down. And some of them will turn on us, sadly. And we, we don't know how to predict people have free will and choices, uh, when it will happen, who it will be with. But throughout life, you're going to have situations. Young people, listen to me, where it'll happen. The question is, what are you going to do then? That's the question. When and how, how are you going to respond? That's a, not an easy, that's not an easy flipping, it, but there is an answer. How do you bless someone when they would rather curse you out? Well, I would just say that, um, you know, as a Lord, I asked the Lord and been mistreated, and well, Lord, what, are, what instead of pronouncing judgment on them, Lord, what do I want to happen in my life? Well, Lord, I want you to bless me. I, Lord, I want to be a forgiving person. I want to be one that hardly even notices, as 1 Corinthians 13, when others do you wrong. Can I get an amen here? I, I want to be that. So that's what I speak over them. And I just release them to you. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? All right? And so, so you know, the greater the hurt, the greater the potential blessing that will come when we bless those that curse us. That's not easy, but, and this next statement, I had to say this, it sounds crazy. This really sounds crazy, but 
the persecution in your life is really a gift of God to you. Let me just preface that. Even though you don't know it, you can't see it, that person that has hurt you really can be viewed, if you look at it as like, you know, it is what the enemy meant for evil, God can turn around for good. And I'm not excusing evil here, let me just say this, or condoning mistreatment, watch this, or abuse that's evil in God's judgment, he will judge that. Please hear what I'm saying. But I'm saying exactly what the scripture says that Joseph said when his brothers did him wrong in the family, okay? He said, Joseph said this when they're all standing before him in Egypt, he was sold into slavery. They betrayed him. They threw him in a pit. Come on, this is the family. These are the enemy. These are your brothers. Your own family did this to you. It cuts deep. And he said, you meant evil against me. But God, somebody shout, but God. But God meant it for good. How can that be? I don't understand it. But God said, I meant it for good in order, what? To bring about this present outcome, to get him into that position, second highest in command in all of Egypt when a famine hits. It's like, God, why can't you just, you know, cause the Jews to have food and the people you want to judge to not have food? I mean, no, it's just, I don't understand it. But in that moment, God said, this present outcome, many people will be kept alive as they are this day, and they supplied for the children of Israel for those seven years of famine. I don't understand why these bad things happen all the time, but I do know this, that only God can turn it around for good, but we have to have that attitude. They may have meant it evil, but you know what? I'm going to trust God. You're going to turn this around for my good. Are you still with me this morning? <laughs> Amen? And so, I mean, I grew up under the word of faith. We were instructed to, you know, we are taught anything negative happens, I buy that, I buy that in Jesus' name. Nope, not for me. No, not, you know, and there is, we need to take authority over the enemy. Hear what I'm saying? We do. We need to and say, wait a minute. This is the involvement of the enemy. I, I need to take charge over this thing. But persecution is going to happen. Suffering will happen in our life. I'm speaking to the crowd here this morning. You know, you know what I'm talking about. But here's the challenge. Stand with me if you would, please. This is the challenge for us all. To make agape love a priority in our life. Worship team, you can come forward. And I want to challenge us all here today. That in the presence of God, you will say, you know what, Lord, help me. I will, as a believer, you have the ability to walk in this. You do, each and every one of us that are saved. You have the ability to walk and make agape love a priority in your life. And so, how many know that difficult people need love? How many know that you can be difficult? <laughs> I can be difficult. I know that. I think the most powerful testimony of a church, a local church, is that the members truly love one another. I, I you know, it's great that we teach the Bible and preach. You know, I hear people say that. Oh, you preach the word, Pastor Mike. You're not afraid to say it. Yeah, well, it's hard. It's very hard at times. I heard someone that, they're not here now. They went off and uh, they live out of state, but they worked at a local establishment. I won't, I'll be very vague. And he, he was sharing the gospel with an employee who didn't know the Lord. An employee goes, that church? That church should not exist. For some of the stuff it says. And I actually went, praise the Lord, you know. 
because they've said real hard things, but I don't know how, but they're still existing. Why? Because God is in it. Not that we mean or harsh, but we got to tell the truth. Are you with me this morning? So to, to love one another, not just a friendly church, not just a relevant church, church of plenty of programs for the kids, all of those things are essential things, but people want to be loved. People want to be loved. You want to be loved. And one of the things as the church grows, and this is how my wife and I were very attentive to this and with the staff, is once you get about maybe a dozen or so friends, maybe up to 30, and you know these people by name and they know your name, you quit reaching out. That's why I love it when people come to church and they, they were not saved, they were unchurched. Next thing you know, what are they doing? They're bringing their lost friends. They, they, they have acquaintances of people that are not saved. But you get saved and you hang around Christians for the next 10, 15 years, you don't know nobody that's, you know them, but you're not in relationship with them. That's why I work out of the gym. You start see people in there that don't go to church. Can I get amen? Are you with me this morning? I'm going to pray here. But uh, let me just bow our heads here. I want to, while we bow our heads here, challenge us for salvation, but I just, just throw that out. I want to, I just want to say this, how God grows us in this area. And just, just if you could steal your soul, I'm almost done. How does God help us grow? I know for me, he puts me in situations that forces me to practice agape love. It's like the only way out of this, I got to release and let it go. And over the years, you know, I've observed God do this again and again. I've seen where God allows people to have difficulties with each other, even to the point of real angerness, bitterness at times. Why? He allows it because the only way we learn to love is by dealing with unlovely people. If everyone so kind all the time, you're going to be in heaven. That's what heaven's like. But we're on earth now. And it happens between husbands and wives. It happens between parents and children. It happens between coworkers, neighbors, fellow students, relatives, in-laws, and yes, the outlaws. It happens. It can happen between church members. And, but I see, though, when those people make a step and they say, you know what, I'm going to choose to walk in agape love. I've seen relationships where people start off disliking each other. They often end up the best of friends. Why? What can do that? Agape love does that. The church is to be a community of agape love. So what are you saying, Pastor Mike? This is just a reminder. I'm so thankful I see that in this church. It's not only just a giving church. Not only a church that when the rally cry goes out, we need help or something, you all show up. I love that. But this is a friendly reminder and an admonition that we would choose agape love, especially coming into this next year, that we would choose to walk in agape love, walk in it in obedience to the Lord. With every head bowed and you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I, you talked about this whole salvation thing or whatever, and I didn't know I needed to accept God in my life. The, the gospel is free. You'd like to receive God in your life. You would like to have your name, as the Bible says, written in heaven. And you can receive God's spirit. 
eternal life now on earth, uh, be born again, then I want to pray with you. It's a very simple prayer, but a very powerful prayer. If that's you, could we pray in unison? Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. Fill me with your presence. Today, I make a decision. I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.